Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's lovely to be here with you. My name's Tim, and uh, it's a great privilege of mine to be here with you this morning. When I was leaving my house this morning, and my little daughter said to me, "Where, Daddy, where are you going this morning? And I said, I'm going to preach at a different church. And, and they said, which church? And I said, Windsor Baptist. And my daughter said, is that the church the queen goes to? <laughs> so she heard Windsor, and she, she must think that the queen is a Baptist. So, um, but so she, she holds this church in high esteem, because I didn't correct her this morning. She thinks I'm preaching to the queen. Um, but I, I hold this church in high esteem as well. We really do in Newton Breda. We really admire this church. We hear great things of what God is doing. Uh, we really appreciate David and his ministry and his team. And the good news is there's none of your pastors here today, so we can do whatever we want, and they'll never know. So, but uh, no, it really is a privilege for me to be here with you this morning. And I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles, because that's what we're going to do over the next few moments. We're going to study God's Word. So please turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, verse 11 through to verse 24. And this is a really familiar story. If, if you don't have a Bible this morning, maybe there's someone beside you could could let you look over their shoulder because I'd love you to see the text or maybe you can get it on your phone. But Luke 15, verse 11 through to 24. And uh, let me read this story to you. And I urge you to listen to it like you've never heard it before. Uh, to put yourself in the shoes of the younger son and then to witness the actions of the father and let his love wash over you this morning. Uh, Luke writes these words. Jesus continued, remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law about the tax collectors and the sinners. And he tells them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, it didn't take him long, but not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of your hard men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for his son. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. This son of mine was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let me just pray as you keep the text open before you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. It is inspired. 
It is inerrant. It is incredible. And we open our Bibles this morning, but we also open our hearts to the Holy Spirit this morning. And we pray that your Spirit would take your Word and minister it deep in our hearts. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to show you a little video here. It's going to roll as I speak this morning. It's a little video of a waterfall. I wonder, has anyone ever visited the Niagara Falls in Canada or America? Has anyone ever visited Niagara Falls? Yes, this is not the Niagara Falls, but this is like the Niagara Falls. This is a waterfall. And uh, there's two things I want you to know this morning or note this morning about the Niagara Falls. The, The waterfall of the Niagara Falls never, ever stops. It never quits. I I saw a documentary recently, and it was winter, and everything around it had frozen, but the water of the Niagara Falls just didn't stop. It just kept rolling and rolling. It actually has a hidden power source underneath the waterfall, which keeps spewing out water all year round, and so the water of the Niagara Falls just never, ever stops. But here's the second thing you should note about the Niagara Falls there. There's a number of different ways that you can view the falls. You can look at it from a distance or you can come stand underneath it. I remember when I went to visit the Niagara Falls, the tour guide said to me, has anyone ever been to the falls before? Now, being a good Belfast boy, I said, I've been to the falls before. (laughs) And he said, no, not those falls, these falls. Have you seen the Niagara Falls? Because this is going to blow your mind. And he said, there's a number of different ways you can see it. You can book a hotel room. At a distance, you can open up the blinds and the window, and you can look at the waterfall from a distance, and it's stunning. Or you can walk to a viewing point, and you're not only looking at the waterfall now, but you're hearing it, and you're able to study it up close, and it is stunning. Or he said, there's a third way that you can view the falls. It's called the Lady of the Mist, where you get into a boat, and you cruise down the river, And it stops at the foot of the falls. And you now are positioning yourself at the foot of the waterfall. And you're not just looking at the waterfall or hearing the waterfall from a distance, but you're choosing to position yourself in the place where you're standing underneath it. The waterfall never quits. And you can look at it from a distance or you can come stand underneath it. And I think that is a great picture of your heavenly Father's love for you. I hope you hear me this morning, that your heavenly Father loves you with a love that's like a waterfall that never, ever, ever quits. It's like he's got a love source that keeps spewing out love on his children. But you can either look at his love from a distance, study it in fact, know all about it, and that's good. Or you can come this morning to position yourself under the foot of the waterfall and allow him to pour his love upon you this day. And I, in a congregation this size, it's likely that there are people here who feel like they've blown it. You've descended into the deeds of the flesh one more time this week. Lust or anger or jealousy or rage. And you feel like you've blown it and you're wondering, does my Father in heaven love me with a love that truly never quits? Or maybe... Truth be told, it's painful to think of your childhood because even in your childhood, your father left you or your mother walked out on you 
Someone spoke words over you which has made you feel ever since you were a child that you're unworthy of love. Or maybe you're dry this morning. It's entirely possible that you're here this morning and you've been coming to church for 50 years but you're dry and you feel distant from this waterfall of God's love. Well, if that's you this morning, if you have blown it, or if you've been told since you're a child that you're unworthy of love, or if you feel dry or distant from God's love, I've got great news for you this morning. Jesus is going to tell you a story which is going to blow your mind and tell you your heavenly Father loves you with a love that never quits. And He invites you this morning to come stand at the foot of the waterfall so that He might pour it over you. Jesus tells this story in Luke 15. If you have it open, I draw your attention to it. And in this story, you know it so well. There's an earthly son. There's two sons and there's an earthly father. But it's really a picture of us as earthly sons and daughters and our heavenly father. And I really felt led this morning to focus on the younger son. We could focus on the elder son. That would be a whole nother sermon. But let me point out to you, first of all, this morning in this story, that there's a son who's a runaway rebel. And he completely rejects relationship with his father. You got that? There's a son in this story who's a runaway rebel. And he completely rejects, turns his back on relationship with his father. Look at these verses. Jesus says in verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one, verse 12, said to his father, Father, give me. Look at the force of those two words. Give me. Give me my share of your inheritance. Give me my share of the estate. I want it for myself. This son is filled with himself. This is narcissism. You know the story of Narcissus from Greek mythology who saw the picture of himself in the the lake and couldn't stop looking at himself. Fell in love with himself. This is what's happening here. This younger son is a narcissist. He is filled with love for himself and he is focused on stuff. Father, give me your money because I want stuff. I'm living for myself. My world revolves around me. And he takes riches from his father but rejects relationship. This would be if I went to my father who has a will. And he's worked all of his life to to save money so that he can pass it on to me in his will. At least I hope he's going to pass it on to me. Maybe we should chat about that. And my father says, no, 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 you'll get that one day. Let's enjoy the relationship now of father and son. And I say to him, no, I just want your riches. I don't want relationship. Give me your will. It would be like I am saying to my father, I want your riches. I don't want relationship. You might as well be gone. You might as well be dead. And this son wants these riches, and so he rejects relationship with his father. Do you see this here in verse 12 and verse 13? Some of the saddest words you might read in the scriptures, it says, verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off. As some translations say, he left. I have to be honest, it it broke me as I was just reading those two words set off. He set off. He, he left. 
I don't know if you've ever had an argument with someone and you can't even stand being in the room with them. I, I know you think your pastor David is perfect. He's like an angel. I know, I know you think that we pastors are perfect. I, I want to tell you, David may be perfect, but I'm certainly not perfect. And I remember when I was young and my mother, who I loved greatly, and she loved me. and was a wonderful mother, but sometimes she'd just like push my buttons and she'd wind me up and like something would happen within me and I'd start getting angry and angry and angry. And all of me just wanted to storm out of the room. And I have to tell you, on those occasions, I didn't close the door quietly, gently say, farewell, mother, I love you. I slammed that door as hard as I could because I wanted to make a statement. And I think this son here slams the door of his father's house, quickly gets together all of his stuff, it's filled with stuff, grabbing the riches, rejecting relationship, slams the door shut, the door frames shake. And he makes this statement to his father, I'm done with you, I'm gone, the relationship is over. Notice what happens next, this guy who grabs riches, rejects relationship, he runs. Do you see this? In this verse, you know it so well. He set off for a distant country. He runs away. He's filled with the love of pleasure. This is hedonism. He is pursuing pleasure. He thinks that will fill him. Look at those words, for a distant country. I picture him running to the first town, thinking maybe that this town will fill me. Maybe it will satisfy me. Maybe the next town, maybe when I get to the horizon and look over the horizon, it will fill me. Maybe around the next bend and nothing fills him. And he runs far away from his father, and he rebels in staggering ways. Look at these verses. End of verse 13. He squanders his wealth. Look at that word. He squanders it. In wild living, the word here is riotous. We, we know later on from the lips of the elder brother, he sleeps with prostitutes. And then it says, verse 14, he spends everything. This son is a Runaway rebel who rejects relationship and rebels in staggering ways against his father. And this is the tax collectors and the sinners, right? You know this from reading your Bible. Look up at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 15. Do you see what's happening? There are tax collectors, sinners that are gathering around Jesus and the Pharisees are getting all worked up. And so in response to the Pharisees getting annoyed and pointing the finger at the tax collectors and the sinners, Jesus says, let me tell you what these guys are like. These tax collectors and sinners are children of a heavenly father, but they've rebelled against him, run away and rejected him. And this is me. This is me when I'm left to myself. And I wonder, would you admit this morning, this is you? Let me illustrate it this way. I remember I used to go to SU camps when I was a boy, and then I became a leader at this SU camp. We used to take these kids over to Scotland, to a big school in Scotland. And I remember my first year as a leader, I was supposed to be responsible now, because I'd made the transition from being a camper to being a leader. And I have to tell you, on this campsite, we were at this big school, the headmistress in Scotland was this psycho 
Scottish headmistress. She was way bigger than me. She had bigger muscles than me. She had a really deep voice. She had a deeper voice than me. And I was scared of her. She was this psycho Scottish headmaster. And she said to me as the leader, put on my best Scottish accent here, female Scottish accent. She said to me, no water fights. No water fights. Not in the school, not outside the school. And I don't know if you've ever been there where you've been told not to do something. And all of a sudden, you have a desire to do that thing. I find myself dreaming at night about having a water fight, soaking the campers behind the back of the psycho-Scottish headmistress. But the problem was she was on the site all day long. But then one day she left. And me and my friend Sam, who was the leader, we came up with a great plan. We find this tap on the inside of the back door of the school. The campers were all on the outside of the back door. And we came up with this plan. Sam was going to fill the bucket full. I would open the door. Sam would throw the bucket. It would smack the campers in the face. And I would close the door. And then he would refill the bucket. I'd open the door. He'd throw the water, smack the campers, and I'd close the door. And this was going great. I mean, campers were being completely submerged in water. And so he filled the bucket one more time. I opened the door. He threw the water. And as the water's traveling through the air, we realize it's not a camper, but it's the psycho Scottish headmistress standing in front of us. And it soaks her completely from head to toe. It starts dribbling down her nose into her mouth. And I panicked. I didn't know what to do. So I thought, follow the plan. Just close the door. (laughs) So I just closed the door and bolted it shut. And me and my friend Sam, he's in his 50s. I'm in my mid-20s. We're running down the corridor. And we find ourselves hiding, no joke, in the attic of this school. Scared stiff. And I haven't been back to Scotland since that camp. (laughs) And I still sleep with the light on. And I have issues towards psycho-Scottish headmistresses. But as you listen to that slightly silly illustration, I have to tell you, that's what I've done to my heavenly father. I have thrown all of my stuff in his face. All of my pride, jealousy, anger, rage, bitterness, lust. Rejection, rebellion, take that, God. And I've slammed the door shut and I've run a mile. And that's what's happening here. And I wonder, has that happened in your life? But notice, the Father's love is like a waterfall. And it never quits. And in this story, there's not just a son who's a runaway rebel, who rebels in staggering ways, but there is a father who loves this son so much. He loves his son with a love that never quits, and he invites his son to come stand under the waterfall. Think if I was in a Pentecostal church, and I just said that. We'd be bouncing off the walls. There'd be an amen. There'd be people dancing, because I've just told you, There is a heavenly father who loves you and loves runaway rebels with a love that never quits. And he invites you to come stand in the place where he might pour it out upon you. Notice that in this story. Do you see this in this verse? He was far off. The son comes back and it says, 
verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, this son was still covered in dirt, covered in shame, probably stinking from the smell of pigs. His clothes are disheveled. His his feet are bruised. His head is down because he's ashamed. He's a long way off. He's still deep in his sin. But his father's love is deeper still. See that in this verse. While he was still, verse 20, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. The word in the original Greek is that in the depths of his bowels, there's a lovely thought for you on Sunday morning, but the depths of his bowels, the deepest part of him, he is filled with compassion. And he's desperate for his son to come home. Do you see that? When he saw him, the picture is that every single morning he's looking for his son. He's longing for his son. He's living for his son to come home. And the moment he sees him on the horizon in the distance, he begins to sprint. Do you see that? Filled with compassion, verse 20. He ran to his son. Please, if you have a pencil, maybe you just want to underline that word, to. He ran to his son. Maybe you've spent your life and people have been running away from you. Maybe someone in your marriage has walked out on you. Maybe someone at school or university has turned their back on you. Maybe a parent has run away from you. But this father runs towards this son, towards you in love. And when he gets to his son, he throws his arms around him. Do you see that? How graphic this picture is. He throws his arms around him. The picture is he wraps himself around him. Actually, in the original language, the sense is he's hanging off his neck. The father is hanging off his neck. And it begins to, he begins to kiss him. And the word in the original Greek is in the continuous tense where it says he continued to kiss him. He couldn't stop kissing him. And notice what happens next. Having run towards him, wrapped his arms around him, he doesn't let his son finish his sentence. Did, did you see this? Have you ever seen this before? See how the son prepares what he's going to say when he gets home to the father. But then it's slightly different when the words come out. It's slightly different. Do you see this? In verse 18 and 19, can you look at that? The son is still in the far country and he's rehearsing what he's going to say and he Rehearses, when I get back to my father, I'm going to say three things. You see this in verse 18 and 19? This is so key to your understanding of the text. He says, when I get back, I'm going to say three things. Verse 18, I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. The second one is, I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. The third one is, make me like a hard man. And when he gets back, see this verse 21? He kicks into his pre-rehearsed confession. And what does he say? The son said to him, Father, here's the first. I've sinned against heaven against you. Here's the second. I'm no longer to be worthy to call your son. And just as you're about to say, banish me. Send me to the outside. Send me to the extremities of your estate. Treat me like a slave, the father says. Shh. Shh. I'm not going to treat you like a slave. I'm not going to banish you. You are my son. And I love you. 
And not only with his words does he declare that he loves him with a love that never quits and he invites him back into a relationship where he will not be treated like a slave, but he will be treated like a son. He demonstrates it through his deeds. The father demonstrates through his deeds stunning love and restoration back to sonship in the way that he dresses him. Do you see this verse 21 and 22? The father said, verse 22, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. He sticks a a robe on him, a royal robe, which covers everything. He puts a ring on his finger, a royal ring. He puts sandals on his feet and he fills him. This son was starving. But he fills him and he celebrates over him. Now, I want you to see this because sometimes you can be so used to this story, but I want you to see it. And so I'm looking for a volunteer this morning. This is the moment when everybody drops their heads and doesn't give any eye contact, but I've already sorted it. So, uh, so you don't have to feel like I'm going to pick on you. So I'm going to invite Stephen up on stage. Should we give Stephen a round of applause to come up on stage? Somebody told me that Stephen is also known as Rahab. So uh, um, I've got a little illustration here, and this is what I want you to see. Stephen is our prodigal this morning, and uh, I want you to picture this. This is the prodigal son, and he's, he's coming home, and he is covered in dirt. Like, like he's covered from head to toe, and he smells. No offense, Stephen, but he smells like pigs. And he's covered in guilt and shame, and his head is down. He can't even look at his father in the eyes. And then his father does this. Watch this. His father says, get the best robe, a royal robe. Go get it. And and the servants come back, and the servants start to hand it to the father, and as quickly as possible, the father puts it over his son. And it covers him completely. Now, can you see any dirt? Can you see any guilt and shame? And the father says, this is how I'm going to treat my son. I'm going to cover it all. And then he puts a ring on his finger. I stole this from my daughters. Don't tell them. So we're going to see if it fits on Stephen's little pinky. But, but here's, here's what it says, what he says to him as he puts a ring on the finger. It just about fits. This was a sign of royalty. This is a disgraced son, a rebel. And now he's back, but because of the father's love, this is a sign of royalty everywhere he goes. This is a royal son. And then he asks him to take a seat. And his feet are bruised. And you know that in those days, slaves didn't wear any shoes. They couldn't afford shoes. But this father gets down on his knees. 
and puts the dirty feet of his rebellious son into these sandals because he's declaring, I've covered over all of his guilt and shame. He's now a royal son because he's wearing a ring and he's not a slave anymore. He's my son. And he gets a fattened calf. We couldn't fill, find a fattened calf this morning in Windsor, but imagine he gets this big fattened calf and he sets it on him and now he's feasting. And Jesus says, this is the tax collectors and the sinners. These are the people who've been rebels and run away, but my heavenly Father has run after them. He loves them with a love that never quits, and he invites them to come to the place where he might pour out his love upon them. And Jesus says, that's why I'm running after all of these rebels on the earth, so that I might die on the cross for them to completely forgive them because I love them with a love that never quits so that I might dress them in a robe of righteousness so that as they believe in me, I might declare them to be a royal son, not a slave, but a son, and I might fill them with contentment forevermore. And that's what the Father offers you this morning. The Father loves you with a love that never quits. And he invites you to come to the day, to the place today where he might robe you Cover your guilt and shame through Jesus. Put a ring in you. You're his royal child. Put sandals on your feet. Declare you're no longer a slave, but you're a son, daughter. And fill you with contentment forevermore. Why don't we give Stephen a round of applause? <laughs> Let me tell you one last story. And... And then we'll draw it to a conclusion here. Uh, we, we were doing some ministry up in North Belfast as a church and uh, in this pretty rough area. And uh, I went over one night to, to go to this prayer gathering and we were praying for the people. I parked my car. I couldn't get it parked on the main street. So I parked it down this little side street and the only space was outside this pub. And we were praying in the prayer gathering, Lord, please help us to have opportunities to tell the people of North Belfast that they have a father who loves them and invites them to come into relationship with him. And we prayed. I went back to my car. And as I was going back to my car, true story, this middle-aged woman stumbles out of the pub completely drunk and starts shouting at me, hey, are you driving somewhere? And before I could come up with an excuse, I, I just said, yes. And before I knew it, she had opened the passenger door of my car and had jumped into the passenger seat. And then I remembered what I'd just been praying, and I thought, Lord, I didn't expect you to answer the prayers just like this. So all I could think of saying as I got into my front seat to this woman was, why don't you buckle up, make yourself at home, and so she said, can you take me to my house? It's around the corner in this big estate. And as we're driving to this house, I thought, Lord, I did not expect you to answer my prayer for me to have an opportunity to share your love with the people of North Belfast like this. But here we go. And as we were pulling up to her house and she's about to get out, I said to her, I just really feel I should tell you the story of the prodigal son. I started telling her this story. No matter what you've done, where you are, you have a father who loves you and has sent Jesus to die for you. And she began 
to weep. And I mean weep. She literally couldn't get the words out. And after about what seemed like two, three, four minutes of her weeping, I said to your UK, she said to me, I'm on the verge of suicide. And I went to this pub tonight to have one last night, and, I, and then I was going to end it all, and had a terrible night, and I came out of the pub to end it all, and here you are, sitting, telling me that there's a heavenly Father who loves me. And we were able to pray with her that night. And we were able to tell her that no matter where she was in life, what she'd done, who she'd become, how distant she was from this love, she had a heavenly father who loved her so much that had sent Jesus to die for her and wanted to robe her in righteousness. We saved her from suicide that night. Praise God. We got her into this rehab program. And recently, she started coming to our church. And just about a month ago, she responded to a message to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be robed by her heavenly Father, have a royal ring on her finger, have sandals on her feet, and find fulfillment in Christ. Isn't that great? And I have a message for you this morning. If you're, you feel like you've blown it, you feel like God couldn't love you, what you've done this week, what you've done in your life, you have a father who loves you like a waterfall. It never, ever quits. Come this day. Let him run after you. Open yourself up. Don't, don't rush out of here and close your heart. Come. Let him pour his love upon you. Wash over your sins. Cleanse you deeply of your deepest regrets. Be refreshed. And maybe you feel dry this morning, distant. Come by faith this morning. Come by faith. Speak to your soul. Soul, we're going to go to the foot of the waterfall. Open yourself up to the word this week. Sit in this story verse by verse. Meditate on a verse a day this week of this text. Let him drip his love into the depths of your heart and refresh you. Or maybe you've been told since you were a child that you're unlovable. Will you allow him to write this word in the depths of your heart that you have a father who writes in your heart, I love you. And I want to pour out my love upon you for the rest of your life. Two things you should know about this waterfall. It never quits. And you can stand and look at it from a distance or you can stand underneath it and be soaked by it. And I pray this morning, wherever you're at, you would know that you have a heavenly father. He loves you like a waterfall, never quits. And he invites you to come stand in the place this day where he might pour it out upon you forevermore.